Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm going to sing for you a song written by Leonard Bernstein. This year, we are celebrating the anniversary of Bernstein's birth all across the world in concert halls and, well, just everywhere. I keep going. And so this is a song that Leonard Bernstein wrote from his work called Mass. It's from a very large piece, cast of thousands. It's a great piece. This piece you'll find, one of, you'll notice why I love it so much is because it's all about singing. <laughs>
morning. That was beautiful. Just beautiful. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10, and 19 through 20. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down, the Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up, and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. This is God's word to God's people. We're having fun this summer looking at some Old Testament uh, characters, thinking back upon uh, these pillars of uh, our faith, who, when we take a little closer look, um, are actually flawed individuals who, um, because of God's will and their desire to try to be as faithful as they could be, uh, found themselves doing some dramatic, uh, powerful things for the development of our faith and our understanding of God. And so we're, we're hoping that as we look back so far, we might uh, see some things that would encourage us with what is right in front of our eyes, our lives, our engagement in our community with one another, and recognize that as God has used flawed people in the past, God would even use us, flawed as we are, to do some wonderful things. 
So we've looked at Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Moses. We've, we've placed some markers on a chronology. We've, we've noticed uh, a major thing happening at, well, I don't know, 2000 B.C. and then maybe Moses at 1200 and, and David maybe at 1000. These are, these are guess dates as to when these things might have happened. And then we have the fall of Jerusalem in, in 570. And that begins the time of the diaspora, it's called. Much of what we read in the Old Testament was written during that time, leading up to the fall and after the fall. So much of what we read in the Old Testament was written looking backwards 500 or 1,000 or 1,500 years. We see that in, in a stark portrayal for us here with First and Second Samuel. First and Second Samuel, about a time that was bringing forward the United Monarchy, so it's a little bit before 1,000, is being written in the early part of the Diaspora. It is talking about a time, just like First and Second Chronicles, talking also about that same time, almost repetitive, those four books. And so that we would not see this as a little thing, we also notice that Judges leads into this time and First and Second Kings leads out of that time. So we've got at least eight books that are gathered together to try to help us Remember who we were back in the days of David when God's mercy and blessing flowed upon us, overflowed upon us. We were drawn together from our tribes into one united kingdom, God's rule on earth through us. We were chosen for that. And as we sat along the riverbeds of Persia, mourning what had happened to us now with the fall of Jerusalem, we were called to remember that we were meant for more than this. That's what's going on here with the writing of those eight books, with the writing of these two books, remembering the importance of God with us. Samuel may be a person you've heard of before, I hope so, but you may not remember that his mom was Hannah. Hannah, like many of the Old Testament matriarchs, was barren for a long, 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 long time. If you don't know Hannah from your Old Testament, you perhaps have heard of Hannah because every third Sunday of Advent, we celebrate Mary's joy of being pregnant with Jesus as she sings a song that we call the Magnificat. And that song is a reworking of Hannah's song of joy over her pregnancy. So you may have heard of Hannah from our Advent uh, sermons. She rejoiced in this child and so what might seem like something fairly odd to us moderns, she offered the child over to the temple in honor of God. 
So when Samuel was weaned from Hannah, Samuel went to live with Eli at the temple in Shiloh. An assistant to the priests, uh, a protege to Eli, perhaps as the head priest. He grew in that circumstance. In our scriptures today, we see the dawning of a new uh, chapter for Samuel. For whatever had happened before, leading up to that moment, something decisive happens in this moment that sends Samuel off on his particular journey that led to us knowing about Samuel and wanting to honor him today. God speaks to Samuel. Samuel conveys that information after some uh, uncertainty to Eli, and that propels forward the history of the Hebrew people to the United Kingdom. It's a powerful story of God bringing forward this new thing through this youngster. Samuel ages, he serves as a priest, as an administrator, as a prophet. He does all of this successfully. He wins people's affection, their trust, their respect, their obedience. He's used by God to bring forward a major moment in history, and he dies as an honored man. Remembered 500 so years later as the key prophet that led our people from dysfunctional federation of tribes into the unified monarchy of Saul and David. When we take a little closer look at Samuel and Eli, we realize that they're nuanced characters, people who uh, perhaps have been used by God a little more dramatically than us, yet people who are uh, pretty similar to us. We're told that this is a time in which visions, revelations didn't happen very much. So we either posit the fact that God's a little tired and taking a break, or we think that the people of those days are not listening very well to God and not discerning God's word. Actually, that is what's thought to be the case because Eli's had problems with his son and his family. They, they blaspheme. And indeed, the general population is considered to be living in a sinful state. We see Samuel getting the voice of God into an awareness, but not knowing what that is. So here this youngster, maybe he's 12, 14, or 10 now, um, having lived every day of his life except maybe the first nine months or year in the temple, not knowing God's voice, not anticipating that God would speak. So however or whatever kind of priest Eli was, he certainly wasn't um, much of a a paradigm of that kind of interaction with God for Samuel or a teacher for Samuel because Samuel is hearing God's voice and not knowing what it is. It doesn't dawn on him that God is speaking to him. 
Eli, I guess, is alienated from God. So even at the third speaking of God to Samuel, Eli is a little uncertain of what actually is going on, but maybe, maybe that's God's voice that's talking to you, Samuel. Let, let's maybe think that it is. Now go, go back to bed and this time respond. The Lord appears to Eli and gives him a message, or rather to Samuel and gives him a message that he is to announce to Eli that his days are over. His rule is over. His family's hegemony is over. God's judgment is falling upon Eli. Samuel is anxious to share this news but gets up the courage to do it and blessings to Eli he receives the news and says, so be it. This is God's will. We want to grab hold of uh, two things in particular this morning from Samuel and Eli. And the first is that God speaks. God speaks. And we need to listen. And even though perhaps in our day we feel we are living through a time in which there are no legitimate visions, no new revelations, it is our deafness, not God's muteness, that is happening here. God is still God. God is still speaking. God is still working in God's creation. And if you cannot see or hear that, your ears are plugged and your eyes are veiled. So would our faith tell us. So we, if we fall into that category of uncertainty of what God may be saying, we would be somewhat like Samuel or somewhat like Eli, either needing to learn a little bit better how to hear God's voice, like Samuel. And if that's our case, well then, it's, it's good that we're in worship. It's good that we're in study, in prayer. It's good that we're engaging in service. It's good that we are intentionally attentive to a living God that has something to say to us. And be that way. Be expectant of an interaction because God is there waiting to interact with you, to draw you forward in your faith. Maybe we're a bit like Samuel, just needing a little more work at getting open. Or perhaps we're like uh, Eli, and we've let things plug our ears. Our prior behaviors and thoughts, our prejudices, our dispositions, perhaps, whatever. And should we be like Eli in this regard, I invite you to try to get that stuff out of the way. And the way you do that is confession. 
praying that God would help you to be open to what God is saying. God continues to speak. We affirm that, don't we? We have to learn how to listen. And more than that, a second thing, a second thing that's important is that we need to respond. It's one thing to hear God's Word. It's another thing to act upon it. What Rachel and I have discovered in our studies from the years of seminary and ministry is that God tends to speak in action verbs, not in a passive voice, but in a hear this, go and do, say. Maybe you're hearing God's voice if God is saying, throttle down and rest a bit. That could be, that could be what's needful for you. But typically, God is saying, get up and do, for the kingdom comes. So we want to make sure, like in our relationships with one another, with our loved ones, that we are attentive to God because have you found that you grow a good love relationship when you're not attentive to the one you love? Rarely does that bring forward a deep and lasting love. Same with God. We need to be attentive. We need to listen. Yes, but we also need to respond. We need to do. Samuel, I'm sure felt, unfortunately for me, was told by God to get in the face of his mentor, his benefactor. God said to Samuel, speak to Eli and give him my judgment. Any of you ever had a superior in the workplace that you have felt you have needed to say something to and you know how hard that is? This whole hashtag, what, Me Too movement is a, is a modern day example of just how difficult that is so that it finally um, reaches a place where the, the dam just breaks. But up until when that happened, so many women were feeling like they could not find their voice to speak for their justice. Here, Samuel, who has been raised except for that first year by Eli, is being asked by God to pass God's judgment on to Eli. Imagine doing that as a 10 or 12-year-old kid. Eli was, or Samuel was uh, tested, wouldn't you say? needing to do that. But it wasn't just an interpersonal difficulty that he faced having to do that. He actually was bringing forward a judgment to his society that was going to realign things in their country and bring forward a future that he wasn't even clear about at this time. Only later did we see where God's hand was leading the courage to speak out in the social context to power 
with what is God's truth is as difficult today as it was then. But we find in this inexperienced youngster a willingness to be faithful. I just want to be a bit of an itch this morning and say, why not us with God's voice and God's call? Why not you and me? Of course you and me. Of course you and me. God is speaking even yet and to us. We need to just practice listening and get up the gumption to respond. So I'm not inviting you to become a fanatic and be a blind, passionate follower of some demagogue or of some uh, particular issue or something. What I'm inviting you to do is to listen to God and take God's lead in demonstrative ways in your life that God wants for you. Samuel didn't know he was going to become Samuel. He's just a kid trying to do what was right. Who knows what God has in store for us or our children or our grandchildren? We won't discover it, though, if we don't learn how to listen well to God and get up the courage to respond. This is the kind of lesson for us this morning from these Old Testament characters, Samuel and Eli, bringing forward to us important words for today. Amen.